Hello and welcome to Vegas Odds Football. I'm your host, Daniel Ocho. In this episode, we are going to be breaking down our Week 11 NFL betting picks. Uh, We start, as always, with a brief recap of our Week 10 picks. So without further ado, let's jump in. Let's start with a look back at week 10 and week 10 was a good week for us. Again, two hot weeks in a row. We gave out some winners. Uh, Mariota to score a touchdown anytime uh, in the Thursday night game was not a winner. That was a very weird game. The Falcons looked just not good. Uh, They didn't look like the team that we had been watching for most of this season in terms of their efficiency on the ground. They essentially got worked by a Panthers team that looked half dead just a few weeks ago. Uh, What we thought of this Panthers team sort of jumps from week to week. Uh, They have Steve Wilkes, a, a failed head coach with the Cardinals a few years ago, running the show now. And they seem spunky one week and then completely dead the next. I, I don't know what to make of this team. They've essentially gone two and one under Wilkes, upsetting the Falcons, upsetting the Falcons actually twice now. Uh, so maybe Steve Wilkes is just really good at beating the Falcons. Uh, in the middle of those two games, Wilkes got eviscerated by the Bengals, the only other NFL team that, that he's coached against so far this season. And at this point, I don't know what to make of this team. I look ahead at the schedule. Uh, PJ Walker's already injured for next week. We get Baker Mayfield back again. Yuck, yuck, yuck. I was just doing a brief look back at some of our season long betting picks. I gave you guys Baker Mayfield under passing yardage on the year, uh, barring some miracle where Baker's throwing for 500 yards a game. I think we're going to hit that one. So that's a nice winner for us here. I, I don't see Baker turning things around for the Panthers. Moving on, I gave you guys two picks in the Bucks seahawks NFL game in Germany, the first NFL game in Germany. It was a bit of a slog uh, to get through, but ultimately a fun morning game. Good start to the football day. Uh, the Bucks under uh, 44 and a half in that game. The game ends up going to, I think, 36 or 39 there. Uh, the Seahawks had a schedule loss. Uh, I told you guys going west to east, way far east, that may be a problem for the Seahawks. They looked half dead. That line smelled fishy the entire time. Uh, when you see a Seahawks team that's just rolling through everybody and then they show up in a game against a Bucks team that has looked half dead for half this year, uh, even despite all their bad juju when the line is in the Bucks' favor. I had to think that Vegas knew something that I didn't. Vegas always knows. They always know. So I didn't want to fade them there. Uh, ultimately, the Bucks cover that game. The undercovers, that's a big win for us. Uh, I gave you guys Minnesota plus seven. The line did end up moving uh, because we didn't know what Josh Allen's deal was ultimately going to be until just before game time when he was active. Josh Allen Ends up being relatively himself, uh, more of his himself from three years ago, I guess, in terms of the turnovers. But for now, uh, Josh Allen looked relatively back to normal. Obviously, he makes that backbreaking interception at the end of overtime. But this Vikings uh, Bills game was one of the funnest NFL games I can remember watching in the last couple of years. Just an electricity factory, especially those last five minutes. The Bills at this point are a team that are just guaranteed to play in some of these insane games every year. It's part of their MO, and I love them for it. Thank you, Josh Allen. Thank you, McDermott, for always playing in these insane games, even if they haven't quite pulled one out yet. Hopefully that turns around for them in the NFL playoffs because we know the Bills will be there. Uh, The Vikings are a team that I don't really know what to do with. They seem to be overachieving. They've won like five or six one-score games here. They're essentially the mirror image of a Raiders team that has struggled front to back and won score games. That's 0-6, I think, in in one score games this year. So the Vikings could just as easily be struggling with with how they pulled out some of these late game uh, heroics. But at the same time, winning close games is a skill for some of these NFL teams. Uh, It's something that that 
it takes a lot of work. It takes a lot of situational football. So I commend the, the Vikings for handling their business, moving on to eight and one. They, they're one of the better teams in the NFL right now. And I don't think there's really any denying that at this point. Finally, the one loser of our week, the one big loser was our teaser of the Niners and the Raiders. The Niners took care of business against Brandon Staley, who once again, we are fading until he is no longer coaching in the NFL. And the Raiders, on the other hand, could not manage to beat a guy who was working on ESPN five days before uh, taking over as head coach of the football team. The Raiders played a first-time play caller. They played a guy who was just hanging out at his house uh, every week before becoming the most important guy in an NFL locker room. Oh, I can't even get into it. I understand that the Colts pulled this one out, an impressive win, an impressive debut for Jeff Saturday. But altogether, just an embarrassment for Josh McDaniels, an embarrassment for the Raiders. This team has struggled, obviously, mightily in all these close games this year. But at a certain point, you got to just look in the mirror. You got to win close games. And if you're not doing it, then there needs to be a change in leadership. I know McDaniels has come out and said that he feels confident he'll be back next year. I wouldn't be so confident, Josh, especially if you're going to lose to head coaches that are literally pulling off the street a week before the game. Let's move into our Week 11 NFL picks. We begin, as always, with Thursday Night Football. The Tennessee Titans are on the road at the Green Bay Packers. Uh, the line here is Packers minus 2.5, over-under set at 41. Uh, if you've listened to this show, you know that I do not like to bet on Thursday Night Football. It is always a bit of a slock fest. Uh, now we get a Titans team coming off a just altogether bizarre game against the Broncos, where both teams really struggled to move the ball, really struggled to, to finish drives. 17-10 victory there. The Packers, on the other hand, come back in amazing, uh, nail-biting fashion against a Cowboys team that looked way superior to them through three quarters. Cowboys blow a game up two scores for like the first time in forever. Uh, as soon as that stat flashed on my screen. I knew that this Cowboys team was just going to choke this game away. Uh, Watson, Christian Watson, the second round pick from the Packers bursting onto the scene this past week. This is a guy who was drafted as high as he was to be that reliable electricity factory for Aaron Rodgers. Obviously, he came into the league a little bit raw. I think he's a junior college guy, Division One AA, so we couldn't necessarily expect him to be a guy like Jamar Chase, who stepped into the league and was catching 90-yard touchdowns. Uh, now, he catches three touchdowns this past week against probably the best defense in the NFL. I saw this game as a coming-out party for Christian Watson. I would be keen on betting on him anytime touchdown scorer this week, uh, even though that line may be a little bit juiced coming off a three-touchdown performance. You may not get the value there, but Screw it. Bet on him to score two touchdowns. I could see it happening again. Rodgers does this sometimes where he really falls in love with a target and will just pepper that guy in and out. If you look at the volume statistics for Christian Watson, they weren't incredible. At one point, he had like four receptions for three touchdowns, which, uh, you know, he's due for some regression there. But I could see that volume increasing as Rodgers begins to rely on him more. Uh, but in terms of actually putting a big play or, or a fun anytime touchdown scorer play in this game. My pick is going to be Traylon Burks anytime touchdown scorer. The odds are not out yet, but Traylon Burks is a first round guy. Uh, he has that pedigree. Obviously, he's had his falling outs with Vrabel and the coaching staff in terms of being ready uh, to really make an impact early in the offseason. I think he struggled uh, in training camp with asthma issues, so he didn't really get all the practice that you necessarily want from a rookie coming into a, a new NFL offense. Now he's coming off the IR. He's missed some time, but he sort of slotted right into the role they were beginning to cart out for him before his injury. Uh, he ends up with three receptions, 24 yards this past week. But to me, 
This seems like a guy whose role should be expanding over the next month and a half because the Titans need to see what they have here. Their wide receiver room is one of the weakest in the NFL at this point. They've invested a lot in terms of using Traylon Burks to replace A.J. Brown. Not exactly a one-to-one, but they need Traylon Burks to be a contributor. They need him to get the ball uh, near the red zone, especially in this game where I think the Packers are probably going to not have too much trouble moving the ball, despite the fact that the Titans defense is relatively staunch. It feels like Rodgers figured something out in terms of moving the ball with Aaron Jones with some of these young rookie receivers. So give me Traylon Burks anytime touchdown scorer on Thursday night football. Next up, our Sunday slate. The one o'clock slate begins with the Carolina Panthers at the Baltimore Ravens over under in this game set at 44. The line here is Ravens minus 12 and a half. Like I said before, the Panthers didn't look like an NFL team when they played the Bengals just a few weeks ago. They managed to gut out two big victories against the Falcons, a Falcons team that essentially plays really well against everyone but this Panthers team, I guess. Uh, Now the Ravens are coming off a bye. They are keen, I think, to go on a run here. They, They need to if they want to win that division, the AFC North, if they want to really cement themselves as a contender this year. Obviously, they've been one of the most injured offenses in the entire NFL. Uh, They've dealt with injuries for what feels like forever now. Two straight years of just brutal injuries. Mark Andrews misses the last game. They still managed to pull one out against a Saints team that is just falling into calamity. Uh, Now, they host a Panthers team that maybe is a little bit high on themselves after getting another win on, on this Falcons team. They have to throw out Baker Mayfield there at quarterback. It feels like a blowout here. This feels like a game that the Ravens take care of business and just kick the shit out of the Panthers. Panthers are not really an NFL team. Uh, Everything about their roster construction is a disaster. Not exactly sure why they kept DJ Moore. Obviously, these guys aren't just going to roll over and lose. But at a certain point, with these things trending the way they're trending, it feels like this Panthers team is just going to roll over, essentially, uh, at one point or another this season. And we may start to see that now when they get into a run of legitimately decent NFL teams who are not divisional foes, who don't have that sort of interdivisional rivalry where anything can really happen. We saw it with the Bengals a few weeks ago. We're going to see it again with the Ravens here. Ravens take care of business. Give me the Ravens minus 12 and a half. Next up, the Cleveland Browns on the road against the Buffalo Bills. Over under in this game set at 47 and a half. The Bills are nine point favorites. It doesn't feel like you can give the Bills enough points here. I know they're not some world beater, right? They have three losses at this point, and they haven't necessarily looked incredible uh, throughout the entire season. Their offense has struggled in the second half of the last two games now. Uh, They obviously choke away a game against the Dolphins early in the year, a game they probably should have won. Last week, a game they probably should have won as well. It's been a weird year for this Bills team. This team, over the last couple years with Josh Allen, has shown that they really struggled to consistently dominate regular season football. And I think that speaks to both Josh Allen's limitations in terms of being an otherworldly talent who sometimes, sometimes can be turnover prone, can make bad decisions with the ball. And he has sort of put those issues behind him for extended periods of time. But at a certain point, you need to acknowledge that part of the benefit, the cost benefit, whatever you want to call it with Josh Allen is he's a guy who can make plays that no one else on the planet can make. But also part of that is that he's going to do some incredibly weird, dumb things with the football by trying to extend the play or trying to make the impossible play. Uh, He has obviously improved in that regard, but it makes them a little bit susceptible to blowing games in in weird, crazy ways. This is a team that's playing for the Super Bowl. They're playing for uh, January. So ultimately, uh, if they end up with a top two seed, that's really the end goal of all this. Uh, I think they may be running out of time in terms of getting that number one overall seed, but they want to win the division. That's for sure. So 
I think this Browns team is just in free fall at this point, right? Uh, we look at what the Browns have done over the last month. They are just getting boat raced. They're, they're really struggling to stay in games, uh, despite the fact that they came into this year with one of the more complete rosters on paper in the entire NFL. Uh, Deshaun Watson is closing in on a return. I don't know what to expect with him, but for now, I can't see a world in which the Browns cover this nine-point spread against a Bills team that is probably pretty pissed off about how they blew that game last week. Give me the Bills here, minus nine. They take care of business at home against a Browns team that may be in some trouble. Next up, the Philadelphia Eagles on the road against the Indianapolis Colts. A line in this game is set at nine and a half over under set at 43 and a half. I mentioned it before. Jeff Saturday comes off the couch to coach the Indianapolis Colts to a win to beat a Raiders team that is just in free fall. Uh, and now he gets to host maybe the best team in the NFC in the Philadelphia Eagles. Uh, not an easy proposition for Mr. Saturday for the Indianapolis Colts. Uh, they end up unbenching Matt Ryan, a weird ownership decision that just reeked of overcompensation by Jim Irsay and and that sort of strange ownership situation over there where a guy's just meddling a little bit too much. Now we get Matt Ryan back. This Colts offense looks like a competent NFL offense a little bit last week, despite having a first time play caller. It's amazing what having Matt Ryan will do for you. I don't think that the Colts are just going to roll over. I I mentioned this before, right? Certain teams, things are just trending one way or another. Jeff Saturday, maybe that was sort of an illusion, what we saw last week with this team riling up, getting behind a guy who's coming in on on one week's notice, essentially. But that being said, Matt Ryan is there. Jeff Saturday maybe lights a fire under this team. Beyond all of that, Jonathan Taylor is back. He's healthy. He got a lot of volume last week in terms of running routes, in terms of getting actual carries. This is the identity that I think Frank Reich and this Colts team envisioned in the offseason, right? So now they're finally coming together. They should be able to stay in a game with this Eagles team, despite the fact that this Eagles team right now looks completely dominant. They look like a team that is going to be playing for a Super Bowl come February, come the end of January. Uh, And while that still may be the case, nine and a half points on the road here uh, in a game that everyone is probably projecting them to kick the shit out of the Colts feels like a trap for me. So give me the Colts here plus nine and a half against the Philadelphia Eagles. Next up, the Washington Commanders on the road against the Houston Texans over under in this game set at 40 and a half. Uh, The Commanders are two and a half point favorites against the Houston Texans. This was a good contender for sicko game of the week. Let me tell you that Uh, this is going to be an ugly game. Taylor Heineke versus Davis Mills. Uh, Wow. Just two teams that are are not doing all right. Okay, but listen, NFL football, we're happy for all of it. Right. Taylor Heineke. Coming off a few big wins, right? The, the guy has shown a little bit of spunk, a little bit of fight to him. Uh, now the Houston Texans coming off a, a game in which they really hung with the Giants. Ultimately, that offense just struggles to finish drives. I don't know who to attribute that to. Damian Pierce looks like a world beater at running back at times. Uh, Davis Mills, he gets off the field a little bit too easily for me. I've been a guy who has said before that the NFL media, the NFL fans maybe wrote him off a bit too much. But at a certain point, you got to convert drives. You got to score touchdowns. And if your quarterback isn't doing that, uh, if your receiver room is sort of getting paced by guys like Philip Dorsett and Nico Collins, it's not like there's no weapons there. Uh, somebody has to be held accountable. And I think in this case, it's probably some combination of Mills and whoever's calling plays for Houston right now, because that offense is just not super dynamic. They're really just trudging through every game. It's ugly to watch. And the same can be said about Scott Turner and the Washington Commanders football team. I know that they're not 
dealing with necessarily the best quarterback situation. We all watched Taylor Heineke over the course of last season. We, we all sort of agreed collectively. Maybe this guy isn't an NFL starter worthy quarterback. Yet here we are once again talking ourselves into whether maybe he's better for this team than Carson Wentz. Regardless of this, I really don't want to mention or, or think about this game too much because I don't think it'll be super fun, exciting football to watch. Give me the commanders here, minus two and a half. They should take care of business against the Houston Texans, but ultimately, do yourself a favor. Don't bet on this game so you don't have to worry about Heineke or Davis Mills. Just, just stay away. Stay away. It does fall into the teaser zone, though, right? So if we are going to do a teaser this week, keep an eye on that. Uh, the low over under here, if you wanted to tease the Texans up to plus eight and a half, I wouldn't be opposed to it. But straight up on the line, I'm going to take the commanders here. This brings us to this week's Coverage King. Hey, yo, lesson here, babe. You come at the king, you best not miss. Our Coverage King this week is our first, maybe double, Coverage King, uh, and that is Brian Dable. Brian Dable, uh, he's, he's won it already. And, and listen, at this point, he just deserves it again. I'm going to keep giving it to him because the guy covers spreads as an underdog. He covers spreads as a favorite. The Giants five point favorites at home this week against the Texans in a game that, listen, they have taken care of business left and right as underdogs all year. I look at this five point line. I look at the New York Giants. I've been fading them left and right, and I've been getting my shit kicked in as a favorite. I did not have any faith in this team. But now that I've seen Brian Dable do it, like, I don't know what to even say about this guy. It's one thing to cover games as an underdog where, where everyone is underestimating you left and right all year. It's another thing entirely to be a favorite at home against a team that's clearly inferior to you uh, and to cover that game as a favorite. That's what really, really great head coaches do. That's what really good coaches to bet on do. Dable, I'm all in on him as a guy I want to bet on because he is somebody who I seem to be able to rely on in any spot. Uh, obviously, there are going to be spots where I'm going to want to fade that Giants team where I'm going to want to fade Dable, but for now, just seeing how he's conducted himself, both as the head coach of a favorite on a week-to-week -week basis, road dog, uh, home dog, everywhere, uh, and now seeing him do that as a favorite at home, it's been incredibly impressive, and he is without question this week's coverage game. This brings us to our next game, the Detroit Lions at the New York Giants. The Giants are at home, three and a half point favorites, over under in this game set at 46. I don't know what to do here. Two of my favorite guys to bet on in the entire NFL, Dan Campbell, Brian Dable. Brian Dable is our reigning coverage king. Dan Campbell was maybe our first ever coverage king. One of them, definitely. And he does it again last week against Chicago on the road. Dable takes care of business at home as a favorite against the Texans. It's like my two favorites here. I, I don't know what to do, but because Dable is the reigning coverage king, I feel like I have no choice but to take him at home. Give me the Giants minus three and a half. Both teams playing pretty good. This should be an actual fun game to watch. I'm excited, which is such an insane thing to say, to watch the Detroit Lions go on the road against the New York Giants in 2022. Let's go football, baby. Next up, the New York Jets on the road at the New England Patriots, a divisional matchup. Patriots are three and a half point favorites at home over under in this game set at 39. Whoa, another sicko game of the week contender for me. I know it's a divisional matchup. I know it's the Patriots and the Jets, a, a game of, of a decent rivalry here. But man, these teams are not fun to watch. Zach Wilson sucks and, and Mac Jones also just sucks. There's, there's no other way to put it. These guys are not fun to watch. Uh, it was not ultimately our sicko game of the week just because there's an even worse game coming up. But at the same time, 
There's a lot at play here, obviously, for the Jets. They want to keep pace in the AFC East. They've been incredibly impressive throughout the season, just in terms of handling their business as an underdog, as a favorite. Robert Saleh really seems to have turned a corner here with this Jets team. That defense is nothing to write off. Uh, The Jets defense, one of the best in the league. Sauce Gardner, an immediate impact player at the cornerback position. Uh, They have really figured something out defensively. The same cannot be said offensively. Obviously, their first running back taken, guy who injured his ACL, who's out for the year. That was a heartbreaker for them. They seem to have built this identity as a run first team, uh, but now they have to rely on Zach Wilson a little bit more than I think they would have liked to, and it's not fun to watch. So listen, the Patriots offense is the Patriots offense. Their receiver room is one of the worst in the entire NFL, in my opinion. I don't want to think about this game. I don't want to look at this game. Give me the Jets here on the road, plus three and a half. This brings us to our sicko game of the week. It's not a dress, it's a kilt! Sicko! This week's sicko game of the week, the Los Angeles Rams on the road against the New Orleans Saints. Saints are three-point favorites, over-under set at 39. I don't know if Matt Stafford's going to play in this game. The offense wasn't that good with him. It was even worse with Wofford. I don't know what happens to these McVay offenses. At a certain point, they just turn to a pumpkin and they're unwatchable. The Saints on the other side of the football have been throwing Andy Dalton out there. Uh, He looks terrible. He looks like the Andy Dalton of the last three years and not the guy from six years ago who was an MVP candidate. Uh, At this point, it's just a disaster of a quarterback matchup in all likelihood. Even if Jameis comes back, this is not a fun game to watch. 39 point over under is an abomination. The the Rams can't score any points and Wofford may be starting a quarterback. Keep away from this game. Don't even think about it. Don't even look at it. Pretend it's not even on television because nobody should be watching it unless you're a Saints fan or a sicko, a sicko like me. This is this week's sicko game of the week. Stay away. I have no picks. I never want to speak of this game again. Please stop. Matt Stafford, come back, please. Next up, the 4 p.m. slate begins with the Chicago Bears and Justin Fields, maybe the most electric player in football right now. On the road at the Atlanta Falcons, Uh, the Falcons are minus three coming off a 10 day rest. One of those mini buys with a Thursday night game over under in this game set at 49. This is going to be a fun game. Quarterbacks who can run Marcus Mariota versus Justin Fields, a guy who's making maybe the most exciting play you've ever seen once a week at this point. Uh, His long run this week was incredible. His red zone sort of breaking tackles and getting into the end zone was also incredible. Just a guy who is so, so fun to watch. Now that the Bears have figured out how to use him, uh, he is really just incredible to watch in the open space. One of the best and fastest NFL quarterbacks I've ever seen running the football. Now, with all that being said, everyone's really all over this team now. The the Bears seem like a trendy pick, seems like a weird line, right? The Falcons coming off a disgusting, disgusting loss where they played a P.J. Walker-led Panthers team and got their shit kicked in. Uh, I faded the Falcons last time. I'm fading them. Not this time, no. I'm taking them against the Bears at home, minus three. I think the smarter play is probably the over here. I'm going to take the Bears over every week until it stops hitting because the Bears offense is scoring 30 points a game as long as Justin Fields is doing some crazy stuff. Uh, The Falcons may struggle to keep pace, but the Bears defense is really nothing to write home about. It would shock me if this Falcons-Bears game did not end up being a bit of a boat race. So take the over here, 49. The next game on our slate is the Las Vegas Raiders, the struggling Las Vegas Raiders, on the road against the Denver Broncos. Denver Broncos are... Minus three, no over under out yet in this game. Not one that I could find. This is another just not not a fun game to watch, right? This it's tough. This week I'm going through the slate. I'm like, oh no, a lot of weeks. I'm like, yeah, this is incredible front to back. This is not one of those weeks. We have a Raiders team. We have Derek Carr crying, crying 
at the podium after the game saying some of these guys don't believe one of the most unbelievable displays I've ever seen. I understand the guy's getting upset. He, he cried less when like his teammates were literally murdering people. Uh, but now the, the Raiders have broken Derek Carr. Uh, the Denver Broncos have broken me. They've broken the American watching public by making us watch their abomination of, of an offense. Uh, I saw a stat today that the Broncos would be eight and one uh, if they had scored just 18 points in every one of their games this year. Um, that being said, if my grandmother had wheels. She would be a bicycle, right? So it doesn't do us a lot of good to, to make these ridiculous sort of proclamations. Oh, well, if this, then that. The Broncos are terrible. Their head coach looks way over his head. Russell Wilson looks horrible. I, there's there's no other way to say it. He looks completely toast, and he's due $40 million over the next four years. Jerry Judy gets hurt on the opening drive of this past week, and the Broncos could not overcome that. Cortland Sutton can't get separation, but he makes incredible plays week to week. This is a game that I'm not betting on. I don't really have a strong pick here, but I'd like to take the Raiders plus three. All the Raiders do is lose close games, and that's one thing I'm pretty confident they can do against the Broncos. Josh Jacobs, anytime touchdown scorer or to score two or three touchdowns, maybe a prop bet that I'm looking at because Josh Jacobs absolutely dominates the Denver Broncos. Broncos maybe have the best defense in the entire NFL. Despite that, Jacobs went for three touchdowns last time they played, and I could see the Raiders relying on him again here. So give me Josh Jacobs, anytime touchdown scorer, maybe parlay it with the Raiders plus three. Have a little fun on this one. Otherwise, let's, let's stop. Let's not do this. Next up, the Dallas Cowboys on the road against the Minnesota Vikings. The Cowboys are two-point favorites. Weird. Okay. Over-under set at 47 and a half. All right, so we're in the teaser zone a little bit here. Home dog, Minnesota Vikings. Maybe a tease that I'm looking at. Okay. So my lean automatically here is to think the line doesn't make any sense, right? We just saw the Cowboys blow a game against a Packers team that we all think is a lot worse than the Vikings, or at least I do. And the Vikings are coming off maybe the most impressive win they've had in some time. They they beat the Bills in Buffalo in a electrifying finish. Maybe one of the best games we've seen over the last couple of years. So why are the Cowboys favored on the road here? Uh, makes not a lot of sense to me. If I'm taking a straight up pick here, it's going to be the Cowboys minus two because that line screams fishiness to me. It, it's very, very weird. On top of that, I find the Vikings to be incredibly fraudulent. Their offense cannot consistently score points. A lot of times it comes down to them running the ball for two yards a clip until Dalvin Cook can break off a crazy, crazy play. Or I don't know. Now they're getting a little bit better at getting Justin Jefferson the ball early in the game. But there are too many stretches with this offense, with the skill players on this offense, that this offense just can't put together drives. They can't stay on the field. It makes no sense to me. It's part of the Kirk Cousins experience, I guess you'd call it. Uh, so I'm not all that shocked, right? But at the same time, I'm not betting on the Vikings here at home, unless I can tease them up. Maybe I'll tease them up to plus eight and a half, in which case I'll think a little harder about it. Next up, the final game in our four o'clock slate. We have the Cincinnati Bengals on the road against the Pittsburgh Steelers. My Pittsburgh Steelers over under set at 42 and a half. Bengals are minus five on the road. Bengals destroyed the Steelers last year. In both games they played, they just absolutely decimated them. Obviously, in week one, Steelers hold really tight with the Bengals team, end up beating them in a game they should have lost 10 times in regulation, win that game in overtime due to Mika Fitzpatrick essentially going Super Saiyan mode and winning the game for them. He's not going to be there this week. Mika Fitzpatrick's not going to be there. He's, he's out. His appendix is, is sort of bursting. It's not, not good news. Obviously, the Steelers offense looked a little bit better this week, coming off of that bye week, having another week to coalesce. I don't have a lot of confidence in the Steelers team, all right? And beyond that, the Bengals, under Zach Taylor, for whatever reason, have shown a propensity to destroy the Pittsburgh Steelers. This game could be one that gets out of hand really early. We could see the Bengals, much like they, they were two weeks ago, much like they were before their bye, 
absolutely decimate the Steelers this week. Uh, so give me the Bengals here, minus five. It doesn't bring me any joy to say this. It actually makes me quite sad. Uh, but give me the Bengals, minus five, uh, and Steelers, please figure it out. Next up, the Kansas City Chiefs against the Los Angeles Chargers. This is our Sunday night football game. The Chiefs are seven-point favorites on the road against LA, over-under set at 50. Why is Los Angeles in prime time two weeks in a row? Has anyone watched this team? Schedule makers, what are you doing? I understand it's a divisional matchup. I understand that before the year, we were supposed to be excited about this game. But now we've seen what this Chargers team looks like. They're horrible. Joe Lombardi is committing crimes against football every week with his scheme, uh, with what he did with Matthew Stafford in 2014. All he does is hinder the development of big-armed freak show quarterbacks, and he's doing it here again with Justin Herbert. Joe Lombardi should be fired. Brandon Staley does not know which way is up. He should also be fired. Get these guys out the door. Give me the Chiefs minus seven. All this team does is take care of business, and they're going to do that again with a divisional rival. Despite the fact that Staley's teams have played these Chiefs teams relatively tough since he took over, for all that, give me the Chiefs minus seven. I don't believe in the Chargers whatsoever, and I'm fading them until Brandon Staley is no longer coaching this team. Next up, our Monday night game. Uh, We have the San Francisco 49ers again back in prime time on the road against the Arizona Cardinals uh, in Mexico City. Over under in this game set at 44. San Francisco is seven and a half point favorites here. I'm I'm high on San Francisco here. Cardinals, I don't know who's going to be playing quarterback for them. I'm not sure that it even matters. Having watched Colt McCoy now over the last two years, I'm not sure how much better Kyler Murray is than Colt McCoy. Obviously, he makes more electric, cool plays with his crazy little running style. But Colt McCoy is one of the better backups in the NFL. I feel confident saying that. He's pretty competent. He manages to finish drives in a way that there are starting quarterbacks in the NFL who can't really do that. So for all that's been made about Kyler as his franchise guy, whether, whether he deserves all this money, They have a backup who really kept the train on the tracks last week and got a big road win for for the Cardinals. Now, San Francisco was able to essentially just dominate the Chargers without their quarterback throwing a passing touchdown. That seems to be the strategy here between Elijah Mitchell and CMC. The Niners have all the pieces to just destroy teams, just run all over them, and they're going to do that. So it would not surprise me to see San Francisco run this team into the ground. Give me them minus seven and a half. Let's jump into some of our bigger picks here. I'm really only only going to give you guys one big teaser this week. This slate is not super appealing to me. I love the Cowboys minus two on the road against Minnesota. Feels like a fishy line. I'm going to bet that one heavily for sure. Uh, On top of all of that, I'm very likely going to tease the Vikings, sort of fading myself a bit here, uh, with the San Francisco 49ers minus one and a half. You should get some pretty decent odds there. Other than that, it's a bit of a weird slate, right? Because we look at a lot of these minus three lines, uh, a lot of these lines that are sort of in a zone where if I'm going to take them with the spread, I might as well bet them to win outright. So I look at a team like the Raiders. I'm probably going to take the Raiders money line. I'm probably going to take the Falcons minus three. Those are most likely going to be my big four picks this week. The Falcons minus three, the Raiders money line, a teaser with San Francisco and the uh, Vikings plus eight and a half. Other than that, let's just have some fun this week, guys. They're they're not all going to be superstar top-level weeks. As always, thanks for listening. I will be back next week with our Week 12 NFL betting picks. Until then, I will talk to you guys soon. Bye now.